working on it. So uh, yeah, I am 30 years old. I lived and grew up in Abbotsford, British Columbia, and I'm the youngest of four boys, as he mentioned. Uh, and I've almost always been involved in the local church, volunteering in whatever way I can. Uh, and since I was a kid, I actually loved hearing about missionary stories. I loved hearing about their faith and how God always provided them for them in the most amazing ways. And even though it seemed like a lot of missionary stories might end in a tragic way, it was really far from the truth because God used every opportunity to open doors for his purposes. And so I found that really inspiring and I was really attracted to that. I really wanted a life that clung to Jesus and did everything for his kingdom's cause. So I prayed for that at the age of five and onward. And uh, as my dad was an airline pilot and they often did overseas flights, one of the places, pretty much the only place I liked to hear that he was going to was Japan. I, I didn't mind the other places, but they weren't as interesting to me. Sometimes he would bring back a little toy or a new video game before it was released in North America. And so, I mean, I fell in love with almost everything from Japan at that point. And it's actually kind of funny as well. As, as I grew up, I really disliked reading. Uh, but it was because of Japanese comic books, manga, that I became a very avid reader in my teenage years. Uh, which is still something I continue this day. So, uh, on the, it's actually one day when I was coming back from church when I was around 10 years old. I was riding uh, home with my father, and I felt deep down that I was going to be a missionary in Japan. So I told my dad this, and he looked at me in the eye, and he said, do you know what you mean? Do you really understand what you're saying? And I just replied with a, yeah, yeah, of course. And so my little 10-year-old brain was completely convinced that I was going to be a missionary in Japan one day. And uh, I was at peace with that. And so after high school, I did a one-year Bible internship program uh, at a local church in Langley. And after I completed that year, I actually became too afraid to do more Bible schooling because everyone who I talked to about Bible schooling was, it is nothing but essay writing and research papers. And both of those things I am not good at. <laughs> uh, I sadly let that fear get the better of me and decided to go to a secular university and still reasoned with myself that I was doing the right thing because I could take some Japanese language courses. And eventually I could, you know, I'm still kind of working towards being a missionary. Uh, but during that time, I started drifting more away from what God was calling me to do. And after I finished about two years of doing Japanese studies, I didn't know what to do. Secular university didn't interest me at all, and I still didn't think Bible school was an option. And so I decided to make a huge life decision and become a hairdresser in Calgary. So, you know, small, small things, right? Uh, after I worked for about three years as a hairdresser, I ended up, um, things became a lot more complicated. Uh, and if you're interested in chatting about it, I can tell you why, but I decided to leave the industry. Uh, <laughs> but once that happened, I decided to move back to my family home and actually pursue what God wanted me to do rather than chasing my own ambitions. And when I did come back, I was able to get connected at a local church and was mentored by one of the pastors. And it was during one of our meetings that I was reminded of the conversation I had with my dad when I was younger. And I finally realized that I would never feel fulfilled or be happy unless I was actually doing what God had called me to do. And so 
I realized that I had been running away from God this whole time, and I lacked the faith that he would see me through it. And even though I knew I wouldn't do well in Bible college, I decided that I need to start looking into this. Uh, It was my mother and my pastor, actually, that encouraged me to go on a missions trip to Japan before investing hundreds of hours and thousands of dollars in schooling to actually confirm that this is what God was calling me to do. And it was my pastor who actually introduced me to OMF, And so I ended up looking over their site, praying about it for a bit, and contacted them a little later. And it was in 2017 that I was able to actually go on a prayer trip to Japan through OMF. And I knew that Japan was a really uh, unreached nation, but once I was there, I really realized just how few people had actually heard about the love of Christ. I, while I was there, I was able to meet with a bunch of, not a bunch actually, probably a handful of native Japanese pastors and a number of missionaries who had years of experience and hear from their stories and the amazing work that God is doing over there. Uh, on the second day of the trip, when I was walking to a vending machine and praying, I had an incredible feeling of peace come over me, and these words went through my mind, that this is where I belong. And I knew without a shadow of a doubt that this, I was called to be a missionary in Japan. I had a clear vision for the future and knew I had to prepare for life as a missionary. Bible college. <laughs> so this time, though, I wasn't afraid because I knew God would prepare me for what he was calling me to do. And so I was ready for it. And a number of challenges came even before that. Because during this, right before I went on the missions trip, I had actually been having some health difficulties. I had gotten an x-ray right before I went on the missions trip, and it wasn't until I came back that I got the results. Uh, My family doctor called me and asked me to come into his office after hours and told me that I had a tumor on my left kidney and that it was cancerous. Uh, Even with this bad news, I wasn't worried. I knew God had a plan for me, and he would see me through. After about six months, I was able to get the surgery to remove the tumor, and after another six months of difficult recovery, I entered Bible college. I was able to get a diploma after two and a half years, and although both cancer and college were difficult in their own ways, I was able to learn a lot during those times. (laughs) One of the major things that I learned was that God was teaching me to rely on him and his strength rather than my own. And from experiences like this and many others that I don't have time to share, I know that as long as I follow God's calling on my life, he will equip me for what he has for me to do. Uh, And I want to encourage everyone here that he will do the same for you. I'm now an associate with OMF, and I'm currently, the current plan is that I will be placed in Sapporo City, serving at Sapporo International Church. I will be able to help in a bunch of different ministries there, including worship team, young adults, outreach, children's ministry, men's ministry, and a number of other ones. There's a story behind that. Uh, I I do feel really blessed for this opportunity, as I see it as an answer to prayer. Before I knew where I was going to be placed, I... Uh, was praying about where to serve, and it actually felt led to serve in the Hokkaido Prefecture, which is where Sapporo International Church is located. I hope to be able to go this year in November, and I'm still praying that God will continue to provide more prayer and financial support. That said, I do know God has already shown me many times that he will provide and help me through any challenge, (laughs) even public speaking. Uh, (laughs) 
if you are interested in supporting me through prayer or would like to learn more, I have some prayer cards and a sign-up letter available at the back there. And I'm also more than happy to chat if you have any questions after the service. Thank you so much for listening. Awesome. So I, I have a few questions that, that I had. Um, the international church you're going to. Yeah. Um, what does that look like? Yeah, so the international church that I'll be serving at is actually quite interesting. Uh, one of the major things that OMF tries to do is they start a church, and then as they train with the people around there, they actually uh, pass off leadership and everything to native leaders there. So that becomes an indigenous, an indigenous church and actually can spread as Japanese people can actually minister to other Japanese people much more effectively. And so at this church, they've already done that. And now as it's continued to grow, and Sapporo is very much a university city. It's roughly bigger than Vancouver, but it uh, has major universities. There's pretty much five major cities in Japan if you're looking to go to a university, and Sapporo is one of them. And so it attracts a lot of foreigners as well. So it has four different services. It has a Japanese, an English, a Korean, and I would think a Mandarin service. And so I'd be able to help it very much at the English and the Japanese. And if, if I can, I would like to serve at the Korean or the Mandarin service. But I don't know how useful I'll be at those ones. So. Awesome. Um, He's referred to an organization called OMF, which is the missionary organization that he's going through, mm-hmm. um, and that is organizing and has this set up. It is connected with Hudson Taylor. Mm-hmm. So um, anybody here heard of Hudson Taylor? All the homeschooling kids say, yeah, I, I, I read his books. Why don't you share a little bit about the organization OMF and or Hudson Taylor? Yeah, so uh, OMF is actually uh, the same organization that Hudson Taylor began when he was first doing missions, uh, or when he started his own missions company. Uh, It was originally the China Inland Mission, and then as things became more difficult with China becoming communist and closing things down, name changed a number of times. For a while, it was Overseas Ministry Fellowship, and then eventually they decided to just get rid of that and just call it OMF. Um, And so it's directly linked to that. And so the organization itself is actually over 150 years old. And uh, yeah, it's interesting to look over their history and see all the connections it has back to its original founding and the principles that it was built off in uh, its original form. Yeah, I, I did a little Google search because I've learned how to do that. Um, Hudson Taylor was from the 18, uh, early 1800s, 1830, somewhere around there he was born. He passed away in 1905. He, his, one of his first trips was, I think, 1854. So this is like 150, 170 years ago mm-hmm. like uh, i'm i'm amazed at the longevity of something that was planted that long ago um that to me is phenomenal the heritage mm. that um and and the principles that have been guiding that organization and that ministry um for me talking 
with Sam, one of the things that I thought was amazing and great was the organization he had connected with is not just an upstart, but it's something that has roots, history, and, and it's got a track record, a good track record um, throughout not just China or Asia, but throughout many, many nations. Um, I have a couple, if you have a question, either write it down or think about it. We may get to that. I'm not 100% sure, but I've got a few questions. Um, I wanted to uh, get a little deeper. Um, I sent them to, to Sam so that I wouldn't catch him too off guard. Um, but you're allowed to ask him a question and catch him off guard. But I'm giving him some soft pitches, you know, like softball, and he's going to hammer him out of the park. Um, you mentioned early on that you enjoyed missionary stories. Was there any one story or person in particular that you just went, wow, that's pretty cool? Yeah, there was actually a lot. And I was thinking about this over this week, and I had absolutely no way of trying to remember their names. <laughs> and so I was trying to rack my brain about it. I know the ones that I really enjoyed growing up was any of the biographies on like David Livingston as well as Hudson Taylor. Um, and then there's a couple of just the stories. I remember the one that always stood out to me. I think it happened in London and it was a person who he ran an orphanage and he was praying and he needed basically needed milk for the kids and he kept praying and things just kept getting closer to a deadline and then just out of nowhere like God provides either there's milk on the the, the steps and it was like hey we felt like God was telling us to give you this or a check came out of nowhere and in those types of stories were the things that really was like that's so cool he's just pursuing God and you can just see how even though like we want to make sure we have an idea of how are we going to pay for a house like I need to know the numbers and I have to be consistent and know everything that's going to happen next and then but with God he can still provide everything as long as we have our faith built in him and so those are the things that I found really attracted me to missions and when I look at it as an older adult now, I'm like kind of scared of it in different cases for sure. I still believe and have faith for it. And then it's like that deadline's coming. That, that's like tomorrow. God, please. So. I, I commend you on your faith. Mm. Um, actually, one of the things with Hudson Taylor was he preached a lot about faith and believing mm -hmm. and the life of a missionary was hit, one of his principles was living a life of faith so I commend you on taking steps these are huge steps of faith um, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you as you do that um, you, you, you mentioned that your mom and your pastor encouraged you to do a trip to Japan as a missions trip mm -hmm. focus to kind of get a taste or to see um, if somebody here had something that they go I wonder if God's calling me like this what would you suggest that might be a good um, introduction to experiencing that yeah very much I would highly encourage people to uh, if they're feeling anything like that, or even if not, going on missions trips is an amazing experience. But if you are feeling like there is 
God's put a specific people on your heart or anything like it could be people in Vancouver it could be people overseas or in different cities to go there and beforehand do a lot of prayer into it and ask people to pray with you and for you as you get ready to go uh, as that will just be I think the biggest help because God wants to speak to us and we need to prep ourselves and be open to hear what he actually has us to say because most of the time we want to close our ears a little bit when it's something very challenging uh, and so I would highly recommend that. Okay and following up on that you mentioned you had this incredible piece walking up to a vending machine. Yeah um, it's a good vending machine. I, I remember I remember Pastor Sean in Japan him and I went with Pastor Nelson years ago and and we had a bit of spare time, and he went to one of the stores just so he could buy something, uh, and, and just the experience of that. Um, so it wasn't a vending machine, but it was very much a, a store. Mm. But what, how do you, I've talked and I've preached on when you know God's spoken to you. So can you just, how, how did that help you, mm. that experience, as you went through college now saying, okay, I got to go to Bible college. How did that experience of knowing what God had said to you in that peace, in that moment, how did that help you um, through some of the frustrations or the challenges of things that you didn't want to do, but you knew you had to do? Yeah, I, I, I found that one of the most important things and the thing I found one of the most helpful was trying to record that feeling as much as I can so there's different times I was asked to write a testimony and so going through how I felt during that time and what I believe God told me uh, to be a missionary in Japan and then trying when I'm going through those difficulties when I was having trouble at Bible college or with cancer reminding myself of what he had done and so actually not just letting that moment pass and then forgetting about it, but going back to knowing that this is what God's called me to do. And I remember the peace that he had given me during that time, and that I'm just going to keep trusting in him and doing what he's called me to do. And so just trying to remind myself, and so that'd be telling other people about it and writing it down and then coming back to it during times of difficulty. I found those were the things that helped me the most. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, you talked about how you, as a child, 10 years old, plus or minus, you told your dad. And it's fun, fun when that happens because once you let it out of your mouth, uh, it's like, okay, it's out there. Yeah. Um, but then you said you weren't 100% sure you walked a little bit away, you strayed a little bit from God, but you, you went and you took some training and you thought maybe hairdressing might help me in Japan. You took some Japanese uh, language in, in university. Um, how do you see God's hand, even though you may have gone this way, mm -hmm. God still was orchestrating things. So how does that, how did that reinforce you knowing Japan. Yeah, I, it, it was really interesting because uh, a number of months ago when I was kind of just going through old testimonies and stuff, uh, just actually even then kind of connecting the lines as I was just 
thinking about my past and being like, yeah, no, everything was always pointed to going or getting to Japan at some point, uh, even when I had slowly started to drift away. And uh, that was still very much in my heart to do that. But uh, yeah, it, it's interesting to see because I know I grew a lot as a person during different parts because especially my time in Calgary, I was by myself and grew a lot in different ways and became a lot more understanding of different people. Uh, as I grew up homeschooled and uh, I didn't have, I guess, like kind of the public school or actual school kind of uh, <laughs> uh, experience, being thrown into the world of hairdressing was actually uh, like being thrown into boiling water pretty much and so it, it I, I it was a big culture shock yeah uh and looking back on it now a lot of the skills that i developed during there and even just some of my communication skills and other things like that i know i'll be able to relate to more people and understand people's feelings and it's one of the things as well when looking at uh some of the problems and things that a lot of Japanese people struggle with. When I look back at my life, I see a lot of very similar things that I've gone through and that I will hopefully be able to share and encourage them with. So even though I had to go through harder things and they weren't easy, but I feel like God brought me through it and I want other people to have the faith to see God work in their lives as they go through it as well. Awesome. Awesome. I have a couple more questions. Um, Japanese people, do you know offhand the percentage that would classify themselves as Christian mm -hmm. in Japan? Yeah. Um, I think the last study I read was probably, it was either 1% or 1 1.5, I think, at the most of their entire population. So I think their population is above 120 something million and so the per capita of church per person is extremely extremely low so it it's a place that very much needs more uh outreach done which is one of the sad things when you look at they're so open and available to have missionaries come in but there's just not been that much push towards it and so it, it's been encouraging as I have been going with and through OMF's process meeting with other missionaries who are planning to go to Japan around the same time as well so it's encouraging to see a lot more people having that interest and actually going as well so so you've met a few others that are going to Japan yeah awesome yeah. Um, what does that look like when you go to Japan are you immediately sent to your station, your assignment, or is there another step in that process? Yeah, um, so OMF, they always do an orientation course, and so before actually going to the field, uh, if I can go in November, I'll actually go to Singapore for, I think, two weeks, because that's where their base is now, 
and get some extra trading there. Then I'll go to Japan. I'll probably go directly to Sapporo City because either if I'm placed serving at the church in uh, Sapporo International Church or going to their language school, they're both located in Sapporo. So depending on the situation, I'll either go into language school for six months or go directly into serving. And so I would like to do more language. I feel like it might be difficult to just jump straight in. Well, how many, we got 26 letters. Yeah. What's the Japanese language? Uh, they have three different alphabets. Uh, <laughs> two of them, I think it's 46 characters without the combinations. And then their third one, which is based off tradi traditional Chinese characters, on daily uses around 2,000. So uh, it will be a long time before I can read the newspaper. So, yeah. yeah. Well, so English, English isn't that bad now. When you look at it from that point of view, yeah. for sure. So when mom and dad hit us and say, come on, you can do better, you can do better in your English, it's like, okay, well, compared to Japanese, it ain't that bad. It's not as bad. <laughs> no. um, does anybody have, I've got time for one or two questions. Charlene. I'll just, and I'll just rehearse that. Are you going to do any blogging or journaling so people can stay in contact with you as you uh, go through this? Yeah. Um, currently, I am writing a monthly prayer letter where I try to give as much updates uh, about what's going on and how things are going. I think that is something that I would like to start looking into. I think my life currently is maybe a bit boring to try to, to write. <laughs> Uh, like I would say like a weekly blog or something be like yeah this week like I signed some papers went to the doctor and got some stuff done did some work yeah a car flipped down our back way that's another story uh, which we saw God work in that but uh, yes yeah, so most of the updates currently are coming through my prayer letters um, but that is something I've been thinking about looking into and doing. I know there's a couple of other missionaries who have been doing similar stuff, so, yeah. Um, and he has a prayer form, which we will get to in a few min minutes, that also has a, a link via email. Pastor Brenda? Um, I was just wondering, what do you think is the biggest, um, So what do you yeah. think is the biggest cultural hurdle for people to accept Christ or Christianity, the openness to that? Mm. Yeah, for the most part, to my understanding, is it takes away from them being Japanese, in a sense. So much of, uh, they would see Christianity as very much a foreign thing. And so usually getting them even exposed to Christianity. If it's a native Japanese person who doesn't really have any interest in foreign stuff because there's so much in Japanese culture, they might not even be interested. But for the most part, a lot of Japanese people will see becoming a Christian as no longer being Japanese. And so it's kind of that ingrained in it. And so there's a lot of the different steps that a lot of Japanese people will be 
at maybe at first interested and attend for a while, and then maybe it becomes too much of a commitment. And then if they do continue going, maybe they have trouble with the idea of baptism because that would be seen as kind of giving up their Japanese heritage. Uh, so it, it's a lot of work on that and showing that you can still be Japanese and a Christian rather than you lose one to gain the other. Wow. So interesting. One other question, Pastor Luis. Yeah. Um, what is the basic religious or belief system in Jap Japan if it's only 1% Christian? Yeah, so a lot of it uh, will either, it's, it's a combination of Buddhism and Shinto. So Shinto is their native-born uh, religion, which is a polytheistic religion. Uh, religion they have shrines all over the place it, it is kind of animistic as well um, and then very intermingled with their form of Buddhism and so I think it's Zen Buddhism and so it, it's very complicated when you try to look at what it is because they're two kind of different religions that also intertwine so much in different things so it'd be like you are born Buddhist, and then you also have Shinto ceremonies for growing up, and then you die Buddhist. And so there's like a bunch of very different things. And because there's a lot of different cultural events mixed into that, that's where it becomes so important as a Japanese person as that's where they feel like their identity comes from participating in different festivals or holidays or things upon that line. And, uh, yeah, so it's those two. I'm sorry, I think I kind of gave more of an answer. Awesome. Awesome. Pardon me? So what is the English-speaking percentage in, in uh, Japan? Probably not that high, <laughs> I, I would say. When I was there, uh, it's usually best to have someone who has a basic understanding of the language and can make some sort of conversation. Uh, because, yeah, I, maybe in major cities like Sapporo or Tokyo, you could probably get around much easier. A lot of their... Uh, uh, what would you say, like train systems, bus systems have English characters as well. So you can actually travel around the area, but speaking with natives, it will be rather difficult because the, even though they might take English in school, they're taking it strictly academically and almost no actual conversational skills. And so they, they might understand, but they also might have a huge barriers of understanding what you're actually asking. So I would say that it's a fairly low percentage. Awesome, awesome. Um, I have some papers to pass out to, to every family unit. Um, Adrian and Charlene, if you could pass those out. What they are is there's two pages. 
One, and, and if you could receive them, um, one page is, uh, the first page is a prayer partner form. And I've already put, in, put Samuel Mooney down in the middle of that page. And that page is one of the things that um, Samuel has been asked to do with his uh, connection with OMF is to build a prayer team and prayer support. That's huge. That is huge. So what, I'm, uh, what we're doing is we're passing out these forms, and I'd like to ask you if you could commit to praying for Samuel that you respond to this form, fill it out. If you could do it today, great. Um, you can leave them with us. Samuel doesn't need copies of them. They can go to the organization and we can send them through or we can email responses. But he is building up. Um, there's two things he's doing. He's building financial support, but he's also building prayer support. So if you are able to say, you know what, I want to pray for Samuel. And in there, it also talks about um, information of, on and uh, receive a prayer letter. So there's, a, a, there's the possibility to stay connected with Samuel. I just received, I've, I've connected and I got his uh, latest um, prayer uh, letter sent through to us and he wrote Solid Rock Christian Fellowship on there and told everybody he was coming today. Um, wow. I mean... I needed prayer. <laughs> you did. I, I, I just want to say, Samuel, I am I'm so impressed, so proud of you. Because for me, ah, I'd be saying, God, do you really want me to do this? And, and so as I watch you take these steps of faith, I'm so proud of you. So excited for you. And I know your pastor is very excited for you as well. I know his pastor. His pastor is Pastor Brian and Deanne Davis of LifeSpring. And I've connected with them and was uh, messaging Pastor Brian, told him that Samuel was going to be here. And uh, he responded back that he's very excited for him as well. Um, so this is not just a single... This is... We're a part of this. And as we do prayer support... We are part of supporting, and the increase that Samuel sees is because of part of what we deposit and do that. So I am committing to pray for Samuel. And I would love for everyone here, I would love for everyone here to consider and to check off and say, I'll pray. And you say, what if I forget? Well, just keep an eye on your email. And even if that means you pray just when you get the email from them, that, that's better than not praying at all. So don't think you have to commit 12 hours a day praying for Sam, having this wall. <laughs> just, just say, you know what? I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my darndest to pray for you, Sam, and I will commit. And if that means that I forget, but I get your email, I'll do that. So I want to encourage you. And if that for you is a step of faith, take that step of faith in supporting Samuel, first of all, by prayer. The second page, so that, that you have, the second page, if you would be kind enough to flip to that page, is a financial form. And um, Samuel, in his training, is told um, to speak about prayer support, but he's not, um, he's trained 
He is allowed to talk about financial support, but it's based on people asking questions. To me, that's an integrity thing from that organization. Um, that they are saying, Samuel, don't just go and say, I need money, I need money. They're saying, you go and say you'd like some prayer. He is allowed to talk about money if we ask him questions. So, I will ask some questions. <laughs> you need money to get to Japan. So, there's a, so how much money do you need just for the initial tickets or the initial commitment to get to Japan? How much do you need? Yeah, uh, so I, I've been blessed and I know that that number has been covered actually. Um, originally, awesome. yeah, God. I'm very thankful. And for how that. much was that number? That was, they estimated it at around 6,600. And so I was very, very Praise thankful God. for that. Uh, and so it was a big number at the beginning. And then seeing it slowly come down, it was very, very fantastic. So I'm very grateful for that. Awesome. Yeah. And what is the yearly, and well, I'll ask for yearly um, because that could be divided by 12, but what is a yearly uh, financial expectation that OMF uh, places on you? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yes, uh, so... Do you want Pastor Daniel to grill you? <laughs> <laughs> he did already. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, the... Uh, the yearly amount that would be is around four th forty thousand. I think it was three hundred dollars, and so um, I'm not sure exactly where my uh, support is on that, as uh, I get monthly updates on how that's going. So I I'm probably at that point because they first everything goes directly towards the one-time going cost, which was that six thousand six hundred ish. Okay. Um, and then things start working towards the yearly amount. And so that one, I'm maybe at around 5% before uh, it being fully funded to be able to go. So. And if it was 4000 a month, that's 48000 So you're in the neighborhood of $3,500 a month in that yeah. neighborhood. I'd ask you to pray about what you can do to give. Amen? Amen? Paul told the, the people that he was writing to, and I, I, was, I didn't have the exact reference in front of me, but Paul, in the word of God, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote and said, listen, when you're giving, you are actually a part of what's happening. So you may not be able to physically go. You might say, Lord, please don't send me to Japan, but thank you that Samuel's going. Um, but as you give, you are actually a part of what Samuel is doing and what OMF is doing. So in other words, as Samuel serves and lives are impacted, that goes to your heavenly treasure. That says, don't lay up treasures here, but lay them up in heaven. When you give and support in that capacity, you are actually laying up treasures in heaven. So I want to encourage you. Um, so this here, there's a few different ways to support. And I did it um, online. You can go online. And it's, um, there's a Canadian um, Helps is the uh, organization. And they do the, the uh, track the giving. It is financial. You get a tax receipt. So as long as the government accepts charitable donations, you get a tax receipt. 
so there is a you can do it directly to the organization through that website or you can and you can do it monthly quarterly or yearly you can make that pledge you could do a one-time donation if you say you know what I'm not sure if I'd remember it every month but I'd like to do it once you can do it once now you're going for at least two years before you come home at, is that at the correct? very least yeah hopefully around three years I'd be okay. over there so he's not going on a holiday <laughs> he's going for a, a two to three year commitment then he would come home at which time you have an open door to call me and to update us and to update everyone that is giving. So I want to tell you, Samuel, you have an open door and an opportunity to come back and to fill us in. Um, I am going to support you. Thank you. I will support him. And I want to encourage you to look at this form. And if you can fill it out, Samuel doesn't take this form. So whether you email it or mail it or email or if you're not sure what to do with the form fill it out and you can give it to us and if you would prefer so this is personal support if you would prefer to do it through the church take this form fill it out and write solid rock on it because pastor daniel and myself we want to we're if it comes through the church, then we would make it as a corporate or as a church donation. So if you're saying, well, I'd like to give to the church. I don't understand how all this works. Fill out your commitment and write the word solid rock on this page. So that way we can track it that we know, okay, it's coming through solid rock. It's not going direct. Pastor Nelson? American that was in Canadian. Canadian. Sorry, yeah, that was in Canadian, so... Wow. 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 So this is less than half. Yeah. Wow. So um, is there any other questions on this form? Can I ask you, if you're not ready to fill it out today, can I ask that you take it home? Don't put it on the bottom of your birdcage, but keep <laughs> take it home and bring it back next Sunday and pray about it? Can, can I have everybody, are you prepared that, you know what, I will pray about it? And, and is there any minimum? No. So no, if man. it's like, hey, I've got five bucks, I, and, and I'm not trying to be silly, I've got five dollars I can commit to, that's acceptable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. and anything is, I'd be thankful with anything. But Okay, no, so I want to encourage you, um, if you'd like to give some today, you can take an offering envelope and you can just write Japan on it, and we can take it even today. We're okay. We can accept money today. <laughs> okay. Um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to close by praying for you. And I'd like to ask our pastoral team to come forward. If you could come forward now. You and I have to stand, Sam. And now I can ask others to come and stand as uh, the rest to stand. But if you could come, the pastoral team, Adrian and Charlene, I'd like you to come as well. You're part of the pastoral team. I'd like to lay hands on them. If, if you're in the congregation, please stretch forth your hands. Amen? Amen. Amen? Paul did this in the Bible. They would lay hands 
on those as they were going on mission trips. And um, Brandon, there may be a prophetic word, so I hope that you are still recording this. I know, uh, Justin, you are. Um, Pastor Nelson, I know that you asked me about something, so I'm going to give this to you. If you have a prophetic word, go for it. Randy, would you like to come up? And Max. Amen. Okay. Because I want to honor you guys, and I know your husband Andy is not here today, but I want to commend you. Why don't you come right, stand right beside him? Yeah, you're going to be right here. Because then the prophetic may just rub off on you guys too. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Pastor Nelson. As I was uh, meditating in the spirit during worship time, the Lord showed me a picture of you. And you're standing, and his glory encompasses you. And then I saw another picture, and this is the thought that came to me, was uh, in the time of the gray, you'll still be there. The next thing the Lord said to me, um, your name was designed by me. Samuel was a forerunner to a generation that were struggling. He was a forerunner of the prophetic ministry. In fact, he birthed the prophetic ministry. And God has put in you a name, Samuel. God saw you before you were conceived. Hannah committed Samuel to the Lord. And I believe your parents have done that. So you're walking on a level that God has called you to. You are going to a nation in which there's much darkness. But I am the light of the world. And my light is in you. There's a a sense in my heart of of a, a perplexing. That's going to be normal for you because there are things that you're going to learn. And when you're perplexed, don't be anxious. Don't move forward. Because I sometimes withhold things, even as you have known in the past, I have held back on some things until you were ready for them. I am the God that you can trust because I know the steps you're going to take 
because I'm preparing you for every step. I'm involved in the preparation. Another thing that the Lord is saying to me is that I want you to know, Samuel, that my thoughts are higher than yours. And my ways are higher than yours. So don't settle for yours. Don't settle for your ways. Always, always settle for my thoughts and my ways. And I see you standing in front of people. And you're looking at them. And I'm going to show you things that you have not seen before. You're going to see what I'm doing in their life. You're going to see things that other people don't see. And there's a prompting of the Holy Spirit that will come with what to say and what to do. The simplest thing you can do is obey. Don't try to figure it out. Just obey because I'm the one who's doing the work through you. And there's a thought process that God's going to take you into that you have not been in before. There's a thought process. God reaches nations no matter what condition they're in. But he doesn't reach them with the thoughts of man. And now I'm, going to, I'm just going to tell you some of my experience. My first time to Japan, we got 250 people at a conference, and they're all sitting on the floor on their mats. And about halfway through, I saw the glory cloud covering them. I didn't know what it was. I didn't say anything. I didn't even know that. And I remember another time in Japan, and I think that's when I think Daniel Brenda led worship when we were in a house church. And there was a glory cloud at the ceiling, and people just started dropping. Nobody touched, just silence. And Louise went over to pray for this lady laying on the floor, and she was speaking in tongues. And the missionary came and said to her, keep speaking, you're speaking perfect Japanese. Phenomenal things will happen because God... It's God. It's not your theology. It's God. It's not what you believe. It's God. Because he's greater than what we believe. He's beyond what we believe. And his plans are beyond our imagination. And as the Spirit leads you, rise up. Rise up as the Spirit leads you with confidence and you will see my hand at work. God doesn't see you in any other way than this. A man of God. A man of God. 
that God has called you to a ministry. This is his plan. This is his ability. This is his leading. Be rest assured there will be times of stress. There will be times. But God would say to you, I am always with you. I'm always with you. And I just see you right now looking at the word of God. And what I see right now as you're looking at the word, all of a sudden, the word protrudes right out of the book and right into your heart. It just, it just protrudes right out of the book and right into your heart. That's the Holy Spirit taking the word and imparting it into you. And that word will become a reality. That word will become the manifestation. Do not think in your own heart. Do not think in your own heart, but think in the heart of God. Hallelujah. Now, I, what I want you to do, Samuel, is I want you to raise your hands. And God is going to bring down his Holy Spirit upon you. Now, don't, don't anybody touch him, just because what will happen, the Spirit goes through him and to you, and he gets robbed. <laughs> so, Father, we just, Holy Spirit, we just... Ask for a special anointing to come upon Samuel in Jesus' name. Ah, Holy Spirit of God, just receive. Just receive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. Just keep receiving. Just drink. He said, if any man thirst, come and drink. And out of his inner being would flow rivers of living water. Amen. Is there anybody else that has? I'll give Samuel a little word that you can take with you. Scripture verse. Being confident of this one thing, what God has started to do in you, He's going to perform it until the end. Is that Philippians one eight? Yeah. One eight. Philippians one six. Yeah. One six. Yes. And take that verse speak and then personalize it to yourself. I am confident mm -hmm. because it's God that gives you the ability to do. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. I read that verse right before. Coming <laughs> <out>. <laughs> awesome. Anybody else? Just really quick, I just um, I just kept hearing the word love, and I really believe that your love, not just for the Japanese people, 
not just for to see them saved and come to the knowledge of Jesus, but your love for their culture, for their language, I believe is going to open doors and allow the Holy Spirit to come in there. I believe they're genuinely going to feel that love from you. Can I just quickly pray as well? Heavenly Father. Yep. Um, There'll be some conflicts. The enemy has strategy. But there'll be conflicts. And I I think many people here will identify what I say. He will bring up your past. He will. To try and distract you, to try and divert you, to try and encourage you, to try and destroy you. But your past is buried. And here's what God did for you and for everybody who gets saved. He took you out of the powers of darkness, that kingdom with all its influence and its earthly things and all its filth and whatever, and he translated you into the kingdom of his dear son. What that means is he translated you out of the control of Satan and put you under the control of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so when you get attacked like that, Here's what Paul said. I forget what's behind me, and I press toward the mark of the high calling. So there's a conflict there. What the conflict will do for you, it'll keep you on the track. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the call of God that you've put on this young man's life. We thank you, Lord, that you have walked beside him every single step. We thank you, Lord, that even through the tough times, Lord God, that he's been able to continue to fix his eyes upon you. We thank you for bringing him back to the calling that you gave him when he was a young boy. Heavenly Father, we just ask that, that his ears would be open to your voice. That still small voice, Lord God, that when he's standing in front of somebody, no matter how crazy that word might seem, Lord God, that he would just be willing to obey And just step out, Lord God. We just thank you, Lord, for the love that you have put in his heart for this ministry, Lord God. We thank you for the love that you've put in his heart and the fire and the passion for Japan and for the Japanese people, Lord God. And we just pray, Lord God, that as he goes there and as he serves humbly, Lord God, and as he follows the call that you have placed on his life, that you were just going to open doors, unbelievable doors, that when we get these reports on a monthly basis, Lord God, that they're going to be full of testimonies of your faithfulness, full of testimonies of your goodness, Lord God, and that he's going to see people come to the knowledge of you, to know you and to know your love like he does, Lord God. And we just thank you, Lord, that that through his love for people that we know comes from you, that you place that in his heart, Lord God, that just going to cause people to be drawn to him because they see your love in him, Lord God, and that they're going to be able to receive it. We just thank you, Lord. We pray protection over Samuel, Lord God. We pray health to his body from the tip of his head to the bottom of his toes, Lord God, that your anointing would be upon him, wherever he goes, in the airport, uh, you know, even, you know, in the place where he's staying, Lord God, that he would just be such a blessing to others in Jesus' name. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Samuel, I'd like to say 
Pastor Nelson referred to your name, and God spoke that to me this morning. And I believe there's going to be a prophetic growth in you. You're going to see things. And what struck me was the first time God spoke to Samuel, he goes, he missed it. (laughs) But he continued and he listened to those around him and he learned to say, yes, Lord. So God's going to speak to you and you're going to grow in the prophetic. I also want to speak over this family. So can you just hold, hold your hands together? The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. You walk in the blessings of God. God bless you. Thank you for being here. I appreciate our relationship. And you are going to do great, mighty things. Not just Samuel, Max, Randy. You guys are going to do great things as well. Amen. If you have, if you'd like to talk with Samuel at all, he's got a small, he's got a picture of himself, which he really likes at the back. (laughs) And he will be back there. Please take that with you as possibly a reminder to pray for him. God bless you. Thank you, Samuel. Amen. You may be excused. Yes, if you...